When you look back over a career of some 50 years, you have a tendency to remember certain things. Like a kind of intersection where you stopped and looked both ways before deciding which way you would eventually travel. When only in hindsight do you realize how important that decision actually was. That leads me to the latest installment of the Tales from Auburn Creek entitled The Call. I was sitting at my desk doing what journalists normally do, looking for a story, when my telephone rang. I picked it up and heard a voice I'd not heard in over 30 years, but recognized instantly. Hey, Raider, it's Butler, the voice declared. I had no idea where this conversation was going to lead, but I knew where it had come from. Long time, I responded. We crossed paths early in our careers. We'd both made choices in those careers. His led to network, the pinnacle of our profession. Mine, to a local affiliate of the same network. What's up? I continued hesitantly. Bet you never thought you'd hear from me, he uttered. He was right on that point. His voice took me back to a cold, early winter night. My assignment would have me on the road for over a three-hour round-trip drive. I was a new reporter, very young, very green, eager to show I belonged. He was the executive producer with all of the ties to management. Personal friends with the GM and the news director. They were a triumvirate. I was the odd man out. For the hour and a half drive with my photographer, I pondered whether I would be able to do the interview, write the story, and get it back to the shop and on the air by the 10 p.m. deadline. A local man had lost his life serving his country in the Air Force. His mother had agreed to tell us all about her pilot son and what she knew about the accident. These are always delicate interviews. Usually if a family member agrees to this kind of an interview, it's because they want to tell everyone about their loved one. In a way, it underscored their importance not only to them, but to their world. Fortunately for me, that's exactly what transpired on this day. When I arrived, the pictures and the medals, the newspaper articles, all about his high school athletic exploits were all laid out carefully on the dining room table. You could tell it had been done painstakingly so. This was her son's life, and she wanted to share it. The interview actually went well. She maintained her composure, told us all about her son with the compassion one would expect of a grieving mother, with dignity. We were both relieved at the end. We were starting to pack things up to start the hour and a half drive back to the station when the phone rang. It was a kitchen wall phone long before the days of cell phones with a long cord that stretched all the way across the kitchen. Hello? she said into the receiver. We picked up our gear and headed for the door when, surprisingly, she waved her hand at me, telling me to wait. I told my photographer to take the gear on out to the car and I'd be out in a minute when she said, It's for you. That was unexpected to both of us. Hello, I said after she handed me the phone. Raider, Mrs. Butler, the voice on the other end announced. How'd it go? Well, we're done, and I'm getting ready to start back, I answered, trying to make sure not to add to this mourning mother's pain. No, I mean, how did it go? 
Did she cry? he continued. A cold feeling swept over me, much colder than any winter night I had ever experienced. Had he really just asked me that? Worse yet, did she hear him say it? I'd always heard about moments like this, but never experienced one until now. No, everything is fine. We should make it back on time, I answered, trying to cover for a heartless producer whose voice I no longer cared to hear. He was still talking as I hung up the phone. I stared at it for what must have seemed like an eternity, afraid to turn around and face her after hearing those words. I had no idea if she'd heard him or not. They're concerned about whether I will make it back in time. I lied. All the dignity and composure that she had maintained for the interview was now gone. I don't know if it was because of those words that were uttered on that call, or if she just held it in as long as she could. But now the floodgates were open, wide open, and she started to sob. Well, there was no way I was leaving her like this. At that moment, I forgot all about the story and the deadline. She could have been my mother. Her son was gone, and now she was alone. She needed a shoulder, so I gave her mine. I just hung up on my superior, had no idea what the ramifications would be because of that, but he also knew that I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I left her like that. You better go, she finally uttered, collecting herself. You have a long way to go. I know, I said. But are you okay? Yes. She lied, dabbing her eyes with a Kleenex. I wrote the story on the way back, and I wanted her to be proud of it. If it was going to be my last story in this business, I wanted it to be a good one, and I hoped that it would bring her some peace. It reminded me of a conversation I'd had back in high school. What do you want to do, a teacher once asked me. I'm thinking about a career in broadcasting, maybe television, I answered. You'll never make it. You're too nice, he concluded. Maybe they need some nice people, I responded, with the exuberance of youth. When we returned to the station, Butler greeted me curtly. The news director will see you in his office at 9 a.m. Don't be late. And... Don't miss deadline, he announced with his back toward me all the while, in front of the entire newsroom. The next morning, I arrived on time to see the news director sitting in his glass-enclosed office. He waved me in and told me to sit down. What happened last night, he inquired. I told him about the interview, Butler's call, and the position it put me and her through. I laid it all out. I didn't have anything to lose at this point. He didn't even ask a follow-up question. You did the right thing, he said. It taught me a lesson. Always be true to yourself. Now, some 30 years later, that voice was on my phone again. Well, I'm passing through and wanted to know if I could stop by and see you. Maybe you could help me get in to see your news director, he said. Well, I knew that line. I'd heard it many times over the years. 
and now I was hearing it from a man who'd scaled the mountaintop and was now experiencing the fall. I'd never been without work, but always knew in this business that it certainly could be a possibility. I'll check, I answered. I would really appreciate it, he said. He got a meeting with the news director. I mean, he'd set one up for me, and I set one up for him. Fortunately, nothing came from either one. This is Kevin Rader. Thanks again for listening to the latest installment in the Tales from Auburn Creek entitled The Call. Until next time.